Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we're fortunate to reconnect with Keith Ludeman. Um, As you might remember, Keith joined us late last year, um, or I guess middle of last year, and he just stepped away from Good Mortgage at that point in time. He'd sold it two years prior, just stepped away, um, and was getting engaged in the startup community, the investor community. And it was just a good discussion of kind of where he'd been and maybe a little bit of a look forward to what he was anticipating doing. Um, and one of the things that he said in that interview was, he wanted to take a kind of a year to find himself, find out what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. So I wanted to circle back around and check in and say, Keith, it's been a year. What have you been up to? So that was the gist behind today's call or today's podcast was just um, to check in with Keith. You know, obviously over the course of the last six months, he's taken over and now is um, the uh, executive director with Innovate Charlotte. Um, he's got some other initiatives that he's involved in. Um, he's, as he mentions in the podcast, he's invested in the QC FinTech, um, venture fund. And so today's discussion was just all about what Keith is doing. And given the fact that he's kind of gotten so into the community over the course of the last uh, 12 months, um, also a peek into what Keith sees lying ahead here in the future. So, um, great podcast, really, really good interview. Um, certainly hope you enjoy listening to today's episode of the Charlotte Angel Connection with Keith Ludeman. Welcome back to the show, Keith. Hey, it's good to be back. Well, so um, it's been a while. So we did our podcast last year. Um, we've had a, a great discussion, went really well. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in our podcast last year is you were going to kind of take your first year to kind of survey the scene. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm curious, what's the survey say? The survey uh, continues to say that Charlotte is just an incredible place to start a business. Uh, It's an incredible place to grow a business. Uh, There's just so much going on. And I still encounter new companies, new people, new organizations, new support groups. And everybody seems to be focused on helping startups do more business in Charlotte, which I think is very refreshing. Yeah. Um, what? Um, so over the course of, you know, obviously a lot has changed over the course of the last 12 months. Amazing. Amazing so, amount of stuff, right? Um, and over the course, so uh, in our conversation today, um, just so everybody else knows, we're going to talk a little bit about Keith and we're going to talk a little bit about Innovate Charlotte, right? Sure. Um, so one of the things that you've kind of, immersed yourself in over the course of the last six months um, is helping steer Innovate Charlotte into the future. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just start there for a little while and just talk about what Innovate Charlotte um, is doing um, and maybe what Innovate Charlotte will do. Um, So what's it doing today? Yeah, that's a great question. So a little history of Innovate Charlotte. It started as the CRFE, the Charlotte Regional Foundation for Entrepreneurship, uh, with a grant from the city. And some money from uh, the chamber helped along the way and some other supporters. Uh, And we spent five or six years doing a whole lot of nothing at that point in time because we had four or five entrepreneurs on the board. And, you know, entrepreneurs are very busy with their day jobs at that point in time. So we commissioned a few studies and uh, the state of our ecosystem found out where we had challenges. And that kind of limped along in that, uh, that 
concept for a while. And then I was rolling off because I was in the process of selling my company. And they hired a full-time executive director. But on the way in, we all said, hey, you hire a full-time executive director, that's going to be a tough job because you've got to get something done in a year. you got about a year of runway, so you got to start raising funds, too, in yep. a year. And I found a, a great guy, Walt Fry, that did a lot getting it from zero to one because he got the MIT uh, mentoring program launched. Mm-hmm. And a lot of work to get that pilot done, uh, and that was great. But that was also about the time that they ran out of money. Um, so I was back on the board at that point in time and said, hey, I, I don't want to see this die because if that dies, I don't think the city will get behind anything in entrepreneurship for another couple of years. And yep. I don't think anybody would want to touch it. And I said, well, I got the time. I got the energy. Let me uh, jump in and do this. And, you know, it was easy to pick up the ball where Walt left it and help move it forward. Um, so we skinnied down a lot of the initiatives that Innovate Charlotte had because he got the website developed, redeveloped too, which was good. Um, and, you know, what we're doing is kind of refining the mission of what Innovate Charlotte is, going back to your question. So we narrowed it down to mentoring. You know, we want to serve startup founders in the community. Now, note that's the startup founder, not the company itself, because sometimes you got to tell a founder, I'm glad you got some great experience, but this company isn't going to work. Let's yeah. move on to the next one. Let's pivot, do something else. So you know, we, if we think if we can focus on the founder and make them better, uh, we're going to have a better ecosystem at some point down the road. It's also been great to bring in exited entrepreneurs that maybe didn't know how to engage with the ecosystem. Well, now we've got a spot to plug them because we can plug them in as mentors. And what's really refreshing is to see mentors that are in the program are now bringing their friends into the program. So we're almost self-sustaining on the mentor side, though we're still looking for more if you want to be a mentor. Um, And that's been really good to watch the program start to take a life of its own. Let's stop there for just a second. What does it take to be a mentor? Uh, experience. And it could either be a good experience or a bad experience, right? Because you learn as much from your failures as you do with your successes. Uh, That, uh, a willingness to be very open and honest and also confidential. You're going to have some tough conversations with startup founders and, you know, all startups, regardless of the size, have some issues and things are going on and they need somebody that they can talk to about these issues. So um, I think you'll find that, you know, You'd be surprised at the people that are mentors. A lot of people are retired. Some people have sold their companies. Some people are still running their companies. Some people have industry expertise, either expert in sales or accounting or legal or marketing or product. But but don't think you have to be an exited entrepreneur to be a mentor. How does it, so um, today we're sitting here in Packer Place. Mm -hmm. Um, Packer Place just two weeks ago welcomed in class number 10, I think, with QC Fintech. I think it was 10, yeah. so clearly accelerator program as they exist kind of all over the country these days Mm -hmm. how does innovate charlotte differ from the qc fintech accelerator program yeah it's a great question i'm involved with both programs i'm an investor in the fintech fund which i think is going to be a great investment um i'm not a financial advisor so i can say that right yeah you can say whatever you want to on my podcast okay good 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 um, just guarantee returns. We guarantee returns here. Is that yeah, right? You yeah. said you said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I tell you what, that um, you know, so Innovate Charlotte, um, we're we're not an accelerator. Okay. We're uh, you know, people for an accelerator, people are going to come in for a defined period of time, uh, and then they're going to exit and go on with the rest of their life. Uh, we we don't have that. You can be a company in the mentor program for for three months, nine months, three years, if you want to. It's you know, whatever, as long as you're getting value. Uh, out of the program, we want you to be part of it. You're not going to get kicked out after a period of time. Um, there's also no cost to it, okay. and we're also um, 
not going to take an investment in your company. In fact, one of our tenets uh, behind uh, confidentiality and everything else is that we're not going to sell anything to you as mentors if you're one of the companies in the program. So you're not going to get a sales pitch. We're not going to try to come work for your company. And yeah, it's so it's a safe space to help companies. Um, what is it? Uh, what does it take to be a founder in the program? Yeah, we're, so we're narrowing that down. In the beginning with the pilot program, we took nine or ten companies of all different sorts to find out which ones would fit the best. And we're narrowing it down. Um, you know, we'd like to see some traction. That doesn't necessarily need or mean revenue, but some users. Uh, we'd like to see at least one of the founders involved with the uh, program full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've actually started looking at profits and nonprofit companies, too, because we think some of those are good to develop in the ecosystem. Because remember, we're not as concerned about the company. We're concerned about the founder. Yeah. We want to make the founder better. So we're still experimenting a little bit, but we've narrowed it down that it, it's good to have a full-time founder and it's good to have a little bit of traction. We're not going to take somebody on at the ideation stage, which okay. we had before. But you're not looking to mentor the two-person CPA firm that's trying to grow here in Charlotte. No, no. It's it's ones that we think could, we don't necessarily say high growth or high impact, but, you know, companies that we think can be going on ongoing concerns. Yeah. You know, we're not looking for the, the solopreneurs or the solo practitioner or the, you know, a, a real estate firm we wouldn't mentor, uh, yeah. for example, right? We're, so we're looking for innovative and ideas that can make an impact, right? Yeah. The concept around team and founder is so mm-hmm. important with startups, either from their ongoing success or as an investor for the investor's success, right? You don't want to right. invest in a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you grow a founder, um, nurture, mentor? I mean, how does, how does that process work, right? Yeah, that's a, a really good question because it's it varies so much based on the founder and what they want to do because a lot of that drive has to come from within. Yeah. So we found that the founders have to be very coachable. And we found that winners of pitch competitions, for example, recently we partnered with Henry Rock and City Startup Labs that said, we're basically going to take whoever wins your pitch competition because they've demonstrated during his accelerator uh, that they are coachable, uh, they're good at taking advice. And that's important for the mentors too, right? They want to see their advice at least considered or taken to grow. Um, So we're looking at, at founders, you know, some of ours they have a staff of 20 already some of them are still you know solo founders and they're looking at building out their staff so we're still trying to find you know the answer differs by individual some people have no problem building a team some people wonder do i hire a salesperson first or a full-time technical person first do i outsource my tech or do i outsource my sales so we've got people on staff that can help with all different types of those questions like go to market and what's first what's second um, when it's time to raise money and when it's not time to raise money. Yeah. I've read, so, um, for whatever, I don't do it every day, but I saw an article this morning in the Charlotte Agenda. Um, it came up. It was something about multi-level marketing people, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, a founder here in Charlotte that I think has essentially started a, um, her own multi-level marketing company out of Charlotte. And at the very end, she had a quote in there, and I'm a misquote it, but it, it was some, something to the extent as people can be as successful in these as they want to be. The hard thing about this is sometimes you find yourself caring more about their success than they care about their own success, mm-hmm. which, you know, that quote or semi-quote kind of stuck out to me. If a, 
can you kick a founder out of the program because they're just not putting enough? Yeah. They're, you know, you hate to say kick them out because they don't care enough or what, but you see it happen sometimes, yes. right? Where the passion just doesn't bleed through or they hit the roadblock. So do y'all have a mechanism for that? Uh, we do. And um, what we what we tell companies and mentors on the way in is let's kind of give it a three meeting, four meeting, 90 day trial period. And at the end of 90 days, it's not working for you. No harm, no foul. Yeah. You know, let's move on to try something else. It's not for everybody. Uh, but there have been people that have been in the program for six to nine months. And we found that they either weren't coachable or they weren't moving the ball forward. So the founder just wasn't progressing. And uh, at that point, if it's not satisfying for the mentors too, they're not going to come back and you can't lose the mentors. Right. So it's a, it's a circular equation and uh, we've got to make sure both parties are happy and engaged and satisfied. And when it works really well, there's a little bit of magic happens, right? You see a lot of good stuff, but when it, it's almost like you know when you see it, you know it, yeah. and it's pretty easy to know that it's time to move on for the program. So, is this the mission? The kind of longer term mission for Innovate Charlotte is to elevate the um, the quality of the founders that we have in Charlotte. Is that the kind of the long term mission right now? Is that's where we are right now. I mean, okay. we've got together. We've got a mission, vision, and value statement uh, just around the mentoring program that just that the mentors and the companies have helped us put together. Mm-hmm. But that's got our, our primary drive. We've uh, we're thankful to have support from NC Idea Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got funding for that program for the next two years, mm-hmm. uh, along with some other things that we always intended on doing. Um, uh, we hope to put together a grant program this year. We've started that process. Uh, we've got a, uh, we're working with somebody to develop the structure so we can have a public, transparent application process, and then we can give grants out to other organizations. But the other half of that, too, is I need to go out and raise the funds yeah. to give to people. But I think there are a lot of deserving entrepreneur support organizations in the region that could benefit from funding. And imagine this for a minute. What if I went to some larger corporations in town and said, hey, I know you'd probably like to support the startup ecosystem because it's creating some 60% of the new jobs that happen locally. Uh, And with that, you don't have to go figure out this fragmented ecosystem. We're going to have a process, and we're going to help the people that have the most need that can have the most impact. I think that's going to be a good message for the the people that are going to end up being the donors. Yeah, no, absolutely. So... um that's cool. I mean, that sounds um, hugely helpful for the ecosystem, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that it is fragmented from that perspective right now. So to have one place to run through mm-hmm. is got to be helpful. You know, and you know, it's funny when you talk about fragmentation. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? David Payne, who runs TechStars in Atlanta, mm-hmm. was recently up looking at our ecosystem, yeah. and he walked away going wow, you guys have something Atlanta doesn't have, and anybody from Charlotte, our ears are going to prick up because we want to be Atlanta or Nashville. Yeah. And he said, in Atlanta, we've got the tech village. You know, all the other co-working spaces are the realtors, the solopreneurs. They're not really startups. Here we've got Huga, Advent, WeWork, Packard Place. So we've got a lot of different engines working on startups here in Charlotte, and he thought that was pretty impressive. How do we keep it diversified? Uh, well, I... I think we're almost too far down that road for it not to be diversified, right? Because all these organizations are seeing success. Uh, people kind of find their tribe of mm-hmm. who they want to hang out with. Um, and it's just amazing the amount of cooperation that I see between startups, no matter which tribe that they're in or which yeah. co-working space. Um, so, yeah, look, we're, we're a city now. We've got three unicorns with Red Ventures, Tresada, and uh, Avid Exchange, of course. Um, I think we're going to see some exit events in the next two or three years, and that's going to spurn a whole 
or a, a whole different group of founders yeah. that are going to spin off and do something for themselves. Not to mention that we've got Lending Tree, you know, Peak 10, Flex Central is worth several billion dollars. Uh, they're not unicorns because they're public or otherwise owned. But, you know, we've got a rich history of being an entrepreneurial city. You know, I think we just need to look at this generational problem. You know, I'm, I'm being a business guy. I'm used to thinking quarters or years. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think in five years, ten years, and how do we train people to be in that next generation of entrepreneurs. So let's kind of uh, let's pivot to that for a little bit. So Keith Ludeman sold your business two years ago or three years ago, stuck around for your obligatory two years, and mm-hmm. you've been out, as I think you told me earlier, for 13 months in a day? 13 months in a day. Yeah, and a couple and, hours. Uh, and just for clarity, I, it was supposed to stay for three years, but okay. so often it happens, uh, you know, after two years, it's time for yeah. the parties to move on. So, yeah. Yeah. so um, you've moved into, you know, the role of Innovate Charlotte, mm-hmm. um, which in a fundraising capacity, which is essentially what you will slowly move Innovate Charlotte into, in right. addition to mentoring and some other things that I'm sure y'all will continue to do. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your, you know, was that your thought process um, 12 months ago was um, fundraising or no. how's it, <laughs> how's it evolved to here, right? Yeah, good question. I, I thought, uh, at least in my head, that I would take six months off mm-hmm. to kind of decompress from working for corporate again and then do another startup. Don't take this... Don't take this statement the wrong way, um, but I think you failed. I, I, I failed miserably, yeah. but that's okay. I'm very happy with where I ended up because after six months, I said, I'm having too much fun. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to go through a startup right now. Um, to me, it's got scratching the itch of, you know, do I have productive work to do? Uh, is it, you know, engaging? Um, is it working on mind muscles? And, yeah, never to work with city or county before, and now I am. That's interesting. I'm getting to work with a ton of different startups, and I'm finding out that my uh, experience, which means successes and failures, mm-hmm. can really help a lot of these startups. And hearing all the different ideas, providing that value, some startups I've jumped in, you know, I'm on advisory boards or partnering very close with them. Others I'll just meet, like today I had office hours at Packard Place, and I met with four different companies over four hours, and, you know, that's fun, along with working in the FinTech Fund. And it's you know, some days are busier than others. Some weeks are 50, 60-hour weeks, and some, way, some weeks are 25 weeks. I'm doing retirement all wrong, I tell a lot of people, but it's a blast, and, you know, I'm kind of blessed to be in this position in my life that I can do that, and it's what I want to do right now. Yeah. There's a lot of folks that have built good businesses in Charlotte, sold them or expect to sell them, and not necessarily startups, right? Just mm-hmm. good, strong businesses. Yep. Um, uh, how do they, I mean, how do they follow, how would you recommend they follow your footsteps or not follow your footsteps? Where do they go? Yeah, that's, and believe it or not, I meet with somebody probably every two or three weeks that, you know, that, that is the question. Yeah. So I'm kind of actively seeking out these people mm-hmm. because right now their option is they try to get engaged. They, if they hit the wrong spot, they decide they're going to get really good at golf and, and hanging out at the country club. And then they never really get good at golf because never, nobody ever does. No, nobody ever gets good at golf. I know I'm certainly not. Um, so it's, you know, it's all the level of engagement. And, you know, great thing about Charlotte, you know, wherever you want to order from in the menu, you can get involved. You know, going to Start Charlotte, uh, subscribing to the newsletter is a great place. You know, if you're even more earlier stage, going to One Million Cup events. 
uh, is very entertaining. For people that want to learn more about investing, the Charlotte Angel Fund and, of course, this Angel Podcast is a great way to learn about angel investing. Um, and if you're really ready to get serious, there's, you know, Idea Fund Partners, there's a QC FinTech Fund, and there's larger firms, Valfurious Capital and others in town. So anywhere you want to order off the menu, you can. Yeah. It's just a matter of where you want to get started. And just about everybody I've brought to the Charlotte Angel Fund uh, gets good content out of it. A fair number of people have decided to become an investor. It's 25000 so it's not the end of the world. And, and you get to see three pretty good companies you know, during their, every month when we have our meeting. Um, so, so far, I've been, I can't think of anybody I've exposed to these parts of the ecosystem that says, that's not any fun. I don't want to do that, right? They all kind of find their niche and then dive in a little deeper. Use the menu term, so let's kind of stick with that. What's missing on the menu? You know, it, 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 I, that answer, I think, is going to vary by you know, the, the party that you talk to. Um, but my answer on that is one that I think we're missing a little bit nationwide is early-stage funding. Now, that's always tough because if you're going to be an angel, a true angel investor, you're going to have nine brutal strikeouts and maybe one pretty good hit, but that hit's got to be a really good hit. Um, I was talking to Mike Prager at Albert Exchange the other day. He was an investor in CAP, the Charlotte Angel Partners, the original one. Um, just about all their investments were a failure, except for Avid Exchange, ironically, and Avid Exchange will make up all that money that uh, people invested in the others. Um, that's hard for an individual investor to do. So it's good to be in a team, uh, whether it's Venture South, whether it's the Charlotte Angel Fund, to invest in that. But, you know, I think yeah, people always hear the rumor that in San Francisco you can have a great idea on a napkin and somebody will throw you a million dollars, and that's a little bit of urban legend. It doesn't yeah. really happen that way. Um, but I think more around the early stage. And I think if you have more exited success stories in Charlotte, maybe there will be a little bit more funding uh, around that stage. But I think the, the bigger issue for us is, you know, I, I talk to companies and they say there aren't enough investors. And then I talk with enough investors because I'm in the Idea Fund Partners, QC FinTech. They're like, we need better companies, yeah. right? And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle a little bit. So if we can focus on making better companies, we've got events like this that are going to bring in more investors. We just need to stop, keep spinning the wheel, right? And the flywheel is going to generate momentum and that'll pay dividends down the road. What is, so the city's still behind Innovate Charlotte? They are. And uh, we're talking to them about continuing that going forward. Uh, that is kind of the other piece that I think more city or civic involvement in entrepreneurship would be important. Um, but that's a pretty big chasm to cross. If you look at Nashville, they've got a physical hub and they've got a full-time staff of, I think, five to seven people, I forget. They throw a conference every year, and Charlotte is so far from that right now. But I think part of the appetite is coming together. Do we have some sort of technology and arts you know, uh, event once a year? I'm glad to see Charlotte Shout coming back in town because, believe it or not, Ironically, arts and tech are kind of tied together. It's the creative class. Yeah. And I think the more events like that we have in Charlotte, it's going to help feed the ecosystem. Because tech talent is tight right now. Yeah. What does the city want to see out of entrepreneurship? How supportive, and I mean, obviously they support Innovate Charlotte, um, but how supportive are they? Um, you know, it, it, it depends on who you talk to in the city. And I would not say that anybody is either not supportive. It's just maybe they're not as supportive as we want them to be. Yeah. You know, and being a biker myself, I love the fact that we got $4 million for bike lanes and I don't have to dodge cars going through downtown Charlotte. But I think there ought to be at least an equivalent investment in that. Um, 
we're working on getting numbers from NC Commerce on the impact of startup jobs. I kind of teased you with 60%, and that's only from startups formed from 2014 on. Uh, but in the majority of char- uh, jobs in the Charlotte metro area are from startups. Yeah. And I think the more that that gets visibility, we'll realize that it's not all about recruiting Honeywell. That's a very important part of our ecosystem to recruit companies here in town. But I think we shouldn't ignore this other part. And it's it from if I'm a city employee, I understand it's hard to nurture, it's hard to measure. It's pretty easy. You know, did Honeywell add 100 jobs or not? And was the average pay 194,000 yeah. or not? You know, for startups. You know, who do you go after, right? So it's it's more of a nurturing as opposed to a direct investment, and they're they know what the return's going to be. Yeah. I had Brian Pope on the podcast a couple weeks ago, um, and he talked about the vintage of companies, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an institutional investor, and they really try to make sure that they invest their money across um, multiple years mm-hmm. because the startup flavors that you get in different years valuations and everything else is really important yep can the city take a multiple vintage look can they take that five to ten year look at it or are they are they just naturally locked into i needed to produce something within the next 12 to 24 months you know i that's a really good question you know let me let me talk to some good ideas the city has done over time. Look at the light rail. Look at the impact by putting the light rail in place. And that was more than an election cycle. That was more than even a job term for some of the full-time city employees. Um, uh, But, you know, recently I saw an article, I think this morning about it, that it's, you know, what a huge impact it's had. And we're going to continue that. So that tells me that, yes, you know, people do have that vision. Um, But often so many of the decision makers are locked into an election cycle. And even if you think about it, the election cycle is, if, if it's four years, right, you've got a year to get acclimated, two years to do something, and then you're running for re-election for the next year. Um, it, it's hard to have longer than a, a short-term time frame. Um, I think that, you know, we need to elevate the voices of the people that are thinking strategically and thinking long-term. And I think there are plenty of people like that in Charlotte. We just got to make sure they get a louder stage than the, the people that aren't going to think that way. Yeah. We've had two significant announcements over the course of the last, I don't know, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it ends up being. BB&T SunTrust, I guess that's probably been longer than that. That was early February, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this morning there was an announcement that the Atrium and Wake Forest are going to try to bring a four-year medical university to Charlotte. Um, those are those are both potentially really big things from yes. a research and quality of um, talent mm-hmm. pool coming into Charlotte. Yeah, um, it really is. How much fuel is being thrown on the fire right now? Yeah, I, I think an incredible amount. And, you know, we got to also think about Duke and their innovation center. And I was also at their, uh, they've got an accelerator called CLT Jewels, and I was just at their event, and I was amazed by the talent coming in. You know, you got, PhDs from MIT, uh, Harvard MBA, Stanford MBA. So the talent that they're bringing into that cohort is absolutely incredible. Uh, Study after study showing that Charlotte really is missing two things to be an absolute top-tier city is a medical school, and that's hopefully being solved in the next 10 years or so, Uh, and then also a uh, top-notch law school. So, and uh, yeah, I'm just glad to see people moving down that path. And, you know, I... It's good or bad that BB&T or SunTrust are here. I'm on the side that it's good. But if they have their innovation group here, 
one, maybe that'll wake up the other big banks here to maybe focus more on innovation here in Charlotte and invest in Charlotte. But I'm also worried about how much of the tech pipeline it's going to suck in. Um, look what's happened with Amazon in different geographies. You got companies fleeing DC because they're worried about tech talent and we all know what happened in New York and don't know how that's going to end up. Uh, so there's a little bit of concern. Are they going to take the rest of the wind out of the sails of the tech talent pipeline here? Um, I know there are a lot of people thinking about that and how do we develop more tech talent in Charlotte. And one thing I've always found about Charlotte, you know, give us a problem, give us a little bit of time to stew over it and we'll come up with a solution. Yeah. So I think we'll find a way. What's... Um Sorry, I'm jumping back and forth a little bit, but no, as you please. kind of talk about future, um, what's Keith 2.0 um, or maybe 3.0, right? Is this, oh, wow. are you, Innovate Charlotte um, and everything you're doing in this space, is this your next, is this your next kind of gig? Is this a 10-year gig for you, Keith? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a 10-year gig, so I was very clear when I started with Innovate Charlotte, I, I don't want a job and I don't want anything full-time. Well, but it's, it's not so a much job, fun. you don't get paid for oh, it. I guess yeah. it's, it's not a job if I don't get paid, right? So. Um, yeah, right now I just I, I, I like what I'm doing. You know, I'd like to see Innovate Charlotte get to the point where they do have a full-time staff and people are working on these initiatives full-time. And I'll still stay engaged as a consultant, board member, everything else. I still really believe in the mission and the value. Um, but it's not going to be a full-time job for me. I guess I like the uh, variety, kind of like being an entrepreneur. You do a different thing every hour, right, of you know, working with a startup or working on projection numbers or working with the fintech class and chairing a board, uh, working on my investments with Idea Fund Partners or QC Fintech. Uh, I like that variety. Yeah, um, It's given me what I need mentally and uh, to do these kind of things. So I'm you know, happy and engaged. You know, I, I don't know where that's going to take me in a year or two. So this is a legally binding um, contract <laughs> right here that you're about to make. Um, but I feel like some of the successes that we've had from Charlotte Founders have fizzled a little bit because a fair number of them have ended up packing up and leaving Charlotte. Mm -hmm. um, are you going to pack up and leave Charlotte? Again, legally bonding? Yeah, no, I, I have no plans to. Maybe okay. a lake house or a beach house or something. But, you know, we just bought what my wife tells me is our dream house in Queens Road West. So yeah. we're not moving. And I hate moving, by yeah. the way. So I'm not, I don't plan on moving anytime soon. And, you know, I, I love the city. And I think our brightest days are still ahead of us. I mean, look at the number of people that are moving here. Look at all the people working and, you know, the, the universities in the area, uh, the, the growth that's going to occur. I mean, this is a fun place to live. Yeah. What? So you mentioned that a lot of people in Charlotte want to be Atlanta, and I take the opposite side of the approach, um, which is, gosh knows, I really don't want to be Atlanta. Right. Um, what do we have to do to prevent being Atlanta? Well, you know, smart city planning is part of it, right? Because I think the big, uh, you know, knock on Atlanta are two knocks. One is traffic, and the other one is not a vibrant downtown. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, I was in downtown Charlotte 20 years ago, and there were one or two places that you would go, and you wouldn't wander around outside that bubble. Uh, now it's a very vibrant place downtown, and I hope we do that. You know, I hope we keep the Panthers downtown, basketball, you know, AAA baseball downtown is great. And I think that's going to be very important. Um, it's funny enough, I talk to people from Austin, and they're jealous of our public transportation system yeah. here. They don't have a public transportation system there to speak of. So, you know, you, you can't be a prophet in your own town. So I think we've got a lot of blessings going for us that other places don't. Um, I don't think we want to be Atlanta. I don't think we want to be Nashville. It's not my decision to make, but I happen to agree with you that uh, I like the path that we're going on. Um, I like the fact that we can be uh, introspective and decide that we want to be better and we want to be different. 
And from what I've seen, each ecosystem needs to develop kind of in its own way. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to hear somebody agree with me. So um, let's take a, a minute of silence real quick for that. <laughs> but um, how do we get more... I think you're right. I think our, our downtown is, is pretty vibrant, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you've heard me complain about this for as long as you've known me. Not enough people from Charlotte old mm -hmm. come into Charlotte new, and I consider Charlotte new to be kind of the downtown place, right? Mm -hmm. How do we continue to bring old Charlotte to meet new Charlotte, um, shake hands and figure out ways to get things done? You know, there's a, a I've talked to a lot of people about that topic, and uh, put ourselves... 50 years ago, you've got Nations Bank, First Union, Belk, and you had those guys kind mm -hmm. of talking about the future of Charlotte, and they were entrepreneurial companies yep. to become Bank of America and Wachovia and the Wells Fargo, the companies that they are. Um, you know, I remember the early 2000s, late 2009, you had another kind of morning breakfast meeting that Doug Lovda and Bill Whitley and those guys would get together. And, you know, it, it's really connections and it's getting to know people. Um, we've got a great asset here with the Foundation for the Carolinas that manages a big endowment. Mm -hmm. Some of the discussions, are, do we have an old uncle, new uncle discussion about, hey, the Levines, look at all we did for Charlotte and you're standing on our shoulders. So this next generation of founders, you need to do something too to leave your mark uh, around Charlotte. Um, so there's a lot of people thinking about the problem, and I think that'll that'll continue to help. You know, having some of the founders join the country clubs and you know live on Queens Road West, maybe that'll help a little bit too. So you know, we're infiltrating from the inside. Yeah, so it takes speak. a while. It turns out the founders don't turn billion dollar companies overnight, right? Right. True. It's a it's a generational problem. Again, yeah. thinking longer term. So um, is it happening at the natural pace, or is it happening at a is it happening slower than it probably should? Well, it, I would tell you that used to moving at entrepreneurial speed, uh, it's not happening as fast as I would like it to. Um, or as anybody, you know, I think people would like to see Innovate Charlotte and a lot of other organizations farther along, but it's, it's changing the mindset that these are longer term problems, right? These are generational problems. For example, you don't change the childhood reading problem overnight, right? You gotta get through a couple cycles and iterate. Um, so I, I think you just got to look at, do you have momentum? Are you moving in the right direction? Keep moving in that right direction. Keep building momentum. And that's all you can really ask for. I don't think we could change to a totally startup entrepreneurial city overnight, or should we? Right? Yeah. Um, do you think it's Avid that goes, that, that bursts through, that causes everybody to say, I missed out on that? Or because it took so long and now Avid's kind of, Avid's kind of a fabric of the community and everything else, mm -hmm. Do you think it's a different company that has to break through to kind of announce the fact that, hey, we've got some really talented startups that are happening in the city and y'all need to be participating in it as well? Yeah, I, I think it'll take a couple uh, because we have had success stories, you know, Peak 10, Lending Tree. I mean, I can go on and on yeah, that absolutely. we've had some really big success stories. Um, so Gosh knows they always seem to fly under the radar here, don't they? Right, yeah, I, well, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Yeah. So I think that we'll have to have a couple boom, 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 almost in succession for people to go, wow, look at what's going on in, in Charlotte. You know, uh, Avid's probably going to triple in size the next couple of years. So mm -hmm. they built two new buildings, right? Um, you know, Tresada and Red Ventures, look at the campus that Red Ventures has, right? Um, but I think that you'll need a couple exit advance. So you'll have the market kind of be flooded with people, you know, flush with stock and, yeah. and newfound wealth. And I think if you have enough of those concentrated, I think that's what we'll need to have a big impact. 
you know, if, if, if it goes public or if and when they go public and, you know, you'll have people happy about that for a year and they'll yeah. go, well, what's next? Yeah. Right. Um, I always joke around that we need the stupid money. Um, right? Right, so right. We need stupid money around here, Keith. Well, you know, we I need smart money too. Don't get me wrong. Well, you know, I, what I want to see is, for example, QC FinTech Fund, Angel Fund, you know, have people have a good, solid return, yeah. right? And if you do that and you've, you know, in a fund life cycle, you talk about long term problems, right? A fund's going to be around for five to 10 years, typically seven to nine. So you've got to get through one of those cycles, you know, and people get all their money back at that point in time. And if that happens, people are going to reinvest, and just got to get the flywheel turning. Yeah, it's um, it's tough. I mean, <clears throat> um, being a member of Charlotte Angel Fund, you see a company like Stratified. Mm-hmm. Um, right? I did an interview with Derek a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I did the Factor Place um, public house thing with Derek. Um, blown away with him as a founder. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I'm sitting there on a stool and he starts talking, it's like, gosh, knows how do we not invest in him? Right. Um, We've got some really talented founders here already in Charlotte, don't we? We do, yeah. Um, and from a selfish perspective, it seems like sometimes we miss out on investing in those. What do we have to learn as a city of budding, learning investors about making commitments into these early stage companies? Well, you know, the Charlotte Angel Fund is not all things to all people. They have a profile of the type of company they want to invest in, and they're going to they're going to stick to it. Yeah, you got to have discipline, and uh, I think that's going to be important because you want the investors to get a return out of it. You know, I think maybe what we need is more Charlotte Angel Funds. Yeah, you need people with a different target of what they're going to invest in, and maybe that creates more opportunity. Because yeah, I've seen companies. I'm like, wow, I think that's a great idea. But they just missed the mark. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever sat in on a Venture South presentation with their companies, too, I'm astounded by the deal flow yeah. that uh, they get. Um, but I, you know, ironically, last month at the Charlotte Angel Fund, I thought three very good quality companies presented. Afterwards, I heard from somebody, "Wow, they don't really have good deal flow at the Charlotte Angel Fund." So yeah. it, it's all your perspective of yeah. what you're coming in for, right? Do you want a company with, you know, it, you can't go in with a Series A mindset if you're going to do angel and seed round investing. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the entrepreneur in me says I should start Charlotte Angel Fund um, 3.0, right? Yeah, sure um, thing. And we'll so, find out in seven years if you're good at it. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> it's our job. So, um, or maybe, uh, maybe just as, just as good, maybe it's, it's Keith 3.0 starts Charlotte Angel Fund 3.0, right? Yeah, I don't think Keith is a fund manager, but no. he'll, he'll help with that, but he's not going to be a fund manager. Um, it's funny. No, um, but, um. You see a fair amount of them now mm-hmm. through the mentorship program and yep. everything else. Um, and without going into specific names and everything else, how do you start to identify a founder? Ooh, I, um, so I mentioned earlier, right? Derek um, was trying to find. I mortgage my house and throw everything at Derek, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's just one of those guys that just admits just he's going to be successful with this thing, right? The energy, the charisma, yeah. right? Maggie's the same thing with Skipper, right? Yep. I mean, I think she's a great founder. Um, but how do you go about, as you look through and see founders come through, A, Innovate Charlotte, mm-hmm. and then just people reach out to you all the time, open office hours and other things that you do. How do you start to sort through it? Well, you know, you kind of get that sense right away that, you know, being a founder running a company is very hard. You're going to have curveballs thrown at you, and you have no idea how to hit these curveballs. But you, you get a sense really quickly that 
you know, Derek can handle those curveballs when they're thrown at him, and you've got comfort that if he doesn't hit the first one, he'll figure out how to hit the second and the third one. Yeah. Um, and that that charisma, that energy to inspire people around you, I think is very important. So that's kind of number one. Two is are they willing to learn and be coachable, right? Because, you know, Derek's got a support system like all founders. Can they build it? Um, I, I've seen founders with a lot of energy that come in that have no idea how to pitch. But you give some coaching, and if all of a sudden they get you know, I've heard people say, I'm going to raise $5 million. I'm like, all right, well, on what valuation? Well, why does valuation matter? Yeah. Well, are you selling all your company for $5 million? Are yeah. you selling a, a 20% of it? And you've got a valuation of $25 million. So, you know, you coach them through some of those basics that sophisticated investors want to hear. And you find out really quick, wow, he's got the energy, he's got the charisma, and he's got the ability and the desire to learn and be coached. And generally, you're going to end up with a winner, at least a higher probability chance of having a winner at that point. For somebody that's been immersed in it for the last, we'll call it at least eight months, we'll give you five months off. Um, where does this ecosystem sit in three to five years? You know, I, I would like to see it uh, sit that, you know, recognized by more of its peers as a, uh, a very cool place to start a company or a very cool place to move to. Uh, I think it is generally. Um, but not only externally, I'd like to see us that way. I, internally, I'd like Charlotte to start seeing itself that way. Doesn't need to be. We need to be a startup city, but we also don't need to be just a banking city, yeah. right? So we've got to, you know, be open to you know welcoming the creative class here, welcoming startups, you know, understanding they have different needs and different nurturing that they need to be successful. Um, and I think we're on the path to that, but you know, I want to make sure we don't continue it. Who knows if we're going to have a downturn and when it's going to be and how severe it's going to be and you know, how much is that going to knock the wind out of the sails. Um, but I think with the amount of investor activity, startup activity, I'm hopeful to see more people successful in their investments and that'll get the wheel just moving a little bit faster and they're more likely to do it again. Yeah. Uh, how uh, Davidson... Mm -hmm. is doing some neat stuff. Yeah, with the Hurt Hub. Um, with the Hurt Hub. Um, Greg's running up there now and doing an extra Charlotte Angel Fund meeting there the night before, yep. the meeting here. Um, do they become bifurcated, or is there an opportunity to keep them, or should they even be kept together? You know, I don't know. Are the uh, toll lanes going to open up anytime soon? Because oh, that's finally complaint about going to Davidson. Is is it's it 20 mess. minutes or an hour yeah. to get there? I, I, it's hard to say. Yeah, they've got a great group of folks up there. And you know, Julie Goff had kind of mentioned to me that, hey, I've got 30 or so investors. We just don't know how to get deal flow or how to run an angel fund. So it was beautiful when you guys decided that we're going to take the angel fund out there. I think it's a good fit. Um, I don't know. we got to see how that evolves, right? You know, Do they have somebody like Greg and Camille? that, you know, it's, it's hard to find deal flow and yeah. to do the due diligence. And there's a lot of great volunteer work going around around that. Um, but you do have a very vibrant, you know, wealthy kind of population who's up there who wants to invest in companies. And a different background, too, that you talk about a different, um, I think that community would look at start different startups than the mm -hmm. community down here in yep. Charlotte will look at, just given their background. I think they're risk appetite is probably a little bit higher. 
Yeah, and, and that's odd to see, actually. Yeah. I don't know if it's that uh, they're living at the lake and too much sunshine makes them want to take more risk or not. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out over time. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. That just means people are more interested. And, and by the way, for the listeners, we're not advocating that you take all your money and put it in startups, right? Yeah. And, you know, this is a type of investing that ought to be 5 or 10% of your portfolio, um, but it's a good balance for your portfolio. This is nothing. You don't take the whole farm and bet it on a startup. Yeah. Even so, if you believe in Derek, and I do too, I think yeah. he's a great guy. But yeah, yeah. I should say um, I diversified across a couple of different Dereks. Yep. Um, but no, so um, no, you're absolutely right. So a, a fun place to experiment with, like you said. I mean, most of these funds, um, you know, Charlotte Angel Fund, twenty five thousand dollar commitment. Venture mm-hmm. South, I think, is fifty for the fund, twenty five hundred dollar a year for the subscription. Yep. Idea Fund has a subscription. Um, they all have different ways to get involved on smaller basis than. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always say you don't have to be Mark Cuban, and so many people are surprised by that, right? Yep, right. So, and Venture South has a great model, right? You kind of go in and you see the pitches, and if a company resonates with you, you can get involved with that company, and that's that's a pretty cool model. It is. No, they do a great job. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, well, I know um, I'm coming up on my hour. We got started a little late, so um, I will honor Dan's time with you here in a few minutes. Um, but it's always good to kind of catch up with you and talk about, you know, A, I wanted to learn what Innovate Charlotte was and just kind of talk about it on air. Um, and also just wanted to get a reassessment with you now that you you had your quote-unquote six months off that didn't turn into six months. Right. So, so I'll um, be back in a year to see what 3.0 means. So. Yeah, 3.0, exactly. <laughs> well, we're all excited for So thanks for everything you do for it, Keith. Cool. I appreciate it. Thanks, Wayne. So. Take care. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey and Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey and Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey and Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.